This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away back. Go Gohei gets a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, a happy Wednesday to everybody in A's land and to all Major League Baseball fans. We've got an interesting game today. The A's are taking on Columbia, not Columbia University. The Ivy League school? No, no, no. We're not Harvard. Not Princeton, not Yale, not Penn. Dartmouth. Dartmouth. Who am I leaving? Brown. Brown, yeah. No, we're not taking on an Ivy League school. We're taking on the country. The Jordan Diaz-led Colombian team coming to Ho-Ho Camp. And when these two get together, they don't like each other. (laughs) This could be ugly. I mean, this is like like Michigan, Ohio State, Auburn, Alabama. I mean, I, 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 I... I, I wouldn't want to go to this game today. I'd be afraid. Stanford Cal. Who? I'm, I'm just trying to tie in. Who? Bay Area. Who? UCLA, USC. Two bad teams U- hitting each other with pillows. USC, Rutgers. It's going to be the big one in the Mar- Maryland, UCLA. <laughs> Nothing screams college football like UCLA playing in the snow at Rutgers. Oh, my God. When SC goes to Indiana, look out. Hoosiers, Trojans. It's going to be great. Jesse Agler does play-by-play for the San Diego Padres. He will be here as we continue our spring training tour. We've done the Rock Pile. You call it Rocktober. We've done the Gigantes. We did – who we do yesterday? We did the Snakes, yeah. my, my D-backs yesterday. I'm telling you, watch out for the D-backs in the West. They're going to be better than you think. Super athletic. They're going to run you out of the They're going to run you out of the gym, as they like to say, in, in basketball. I mean, like Gonzaga did the St. Mary's last night. No offense to our Gale fans out there and Alex Jensen, but they got you worked. You had to bring that up. They got worked. You had to bring that up. I'm a, I root for St. Mary's. I mean, you, you're the you're you're pounding your chest. This is our this is our year, and you get worked. Maybe our Spartans won 19 games this year in college basketball. 19. Which is, by the way, the more than they've won in like the last 20 years. No, try like nights since the 80s. They won 10 conference games for no, the first I'm time. No, I'm combined. They haven't won probably that oh, many games. Yeah, and conference, so bad. conference wins they had 10. That's the most since like early 2010s. Where was I going? Uh, we oh, did the oh, Snakes. We did the Snakes. Today we do the Padres. Tomorrow's the Dodgers. Correct. And then we're done with the West. Yeah, then I think we're going to start to 
Central. We should only even do the Cardinals because no one else is going to be really involved in the race. Well, shots fired at the Reds. Shots fired at the Brewers. They're going to be trading everybody. All right, so we do the Padres today. Jesse Agler will be here at 1030. They're a fascinating team, and I'm going to tie them into what you would call in your news programs or uh, yeah, pretty much your news talk shows, your opening monologue. We're going to have Paul Hembikides, the great himbo from ESPN, at 11 o'clock. And then Johnny on the spot. Johnny Dosco will be here at 1130. Um, should we come up with trivia for Johnny on Columbia? Oh, I don't know if I, I don't know where I can go with that one. You can do, like, top 20 things about Columbia. Can you name any? Oh, yeah. He, he called me He called me yesterday or texted me yesterday. Bro, I'm so mad that I missed – I didn't know more about the snakes. I got to do better. He goes, I'll be better. <laughs> Can you name anything from the top top 20 things to know about the country Colombia? I wanted to start today because of the drama that's going on in a sport. Drama sells. We love drama. And for some reason, baseball, our beloved sport, just doesn't get it. And if I could reach out and help Major League Baseball today, if A's cast could actually reach out and help them, say, we got a little problem, right? There's too much talk about the money. There's too much talk about We're already starting to talk now about what Shohei Otani going to make. What's going to happen with Juan Soto? We're doing the Padres today. We'll see. It's just everything about our game, and it's really turning people off, right? It's everything's about money. And there's so much drama, but it just doesn't get covered. And I wanted to bring up what's happening right now because this week, I know you don't follow golf. Most of you don't follow golf. It's the Players' Championship. It's a tournament that's for the PGA Tour players put on by the PGA Tour. They call it their event. And it's a big event. And they've had these meetings. So basically, if you haven't followed the drama of the new Live Tour, the Saudi-backed Live Tour that took a bunch of players the PGA Tour, they've been suing each other. It's been this big fight. But in the end, all the different things that the PGA Tour was ripping about this new tour, they're realizing, uh-oh, we better start doing some of it. And they've made those announcements this week. It's high drama in the sport of golf. Why do I bring that up? Well, I bring it up because yesterday I mentioned, and I don't want to scare people, but yesterday I mentioned about, hey, this is a really hard game, baseball. There's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of, there's a lot of failure. This is a game of failure and how you deal with failure on a daily basis. The greats deal with failure better than other people. I hate when people had three out of ten, three hundred. Yeah, but it's true. The greats, you look at their numbers, it also means when you have a lifetime three hundred batting average. That means the other seven times out of ten, you're out. There's a lot of failure you got to go through. There's a lot of physical failure. There, your body gives out on you. You get hurt. You have Tommy John. You blow out your knee. You have a bad back. You got a chronic, you know, hips. I mean, you know, your body gives out. Then you got the the failure and how tough it is mentally to play this game because it's every day. It's every day. And now one of the, you know. 
one one of the things that you we're really seeing prevalent in our game is sports psychologists. We've hired Ben Strack, Dr. Ben Strack. Who is Dr. Ben Strack? He was my former teammate at San Jose State. Our new sports psychologist I played with in college. Dr. Ben. That's where this game's going. And I make fun of our game because what do we do? What's baseball doing? We're doing players weekend. We're putting everybody's nickname on the back. Everybody, look at their cleats. They all have their different cleats. And I, I do the whole, I'm so stoked to be here. Everybody's so stoked. This is great. MLB Network put on the show that had two gals, two guys. It was a pop culture show. It was a dud. It's a dud. And I get what everybody's trying to do on social media, and we're trying to be cute with the players and all that kind of stuff. Folks, other than just getting likes, doesn't sell. You know what sells? The real. One of the greatest sports shows ever is Hard Knocks, where you take a film crew and you follow a National Football League team throughout training camp. And it gets hardcore. They show guys getting cut. They show guys' dreams. They show the guys getting injured. They show you what really happens. They've been going on now for over 20 years. Sounds about right. And this is the first year I watched it. They did the Detroit Lions this previous season. Fantastic. It's un- People love it. And why did I bring golf in? Because golf, as they're going through all these changes and, you know, Golf is a tour that's made up of independent contractors, if you don't know. These guys are all – they're not under contract. They all have a card. They have a PGA Tour card, and they play in these PGA Tour events. They're actually independent contractors. Well, they have a new Netflix documentary out. It's called Full Swing. It's so successful on Netflix because it's the real of what's going on inside the PGA Tour. It's already been renewed, and they're filming year two right now. I didn't know about this. But people have talked about this because of what's happening with the tour. They're saying, everybody look at the success of Formula One show on Netflix. It's called The Drive to Survive. I'm not a Formula One guy, but I think they're in season three. It's very popular. It's hugely popular of what's going on in Formula One. People are watching this all over the world. They want to know the inside, inside. What is the sport really like? They're not in there going, look at all these drivers. Oh, it's Team Ferrari. Are you stoked? Is this great today? Is this the, like the coolest thing ever? If you were a tree, what tree would you be? No, that's not how they're selling it. We right now should have a film crew with a team. I think the Padres would be a great team with all the money and the craziness that's going on with them and what's going to happen with Soto and Machado was opting out. Now he's signed. Darvish is signed. They got all – I mean – are, are are they Nando's back? Are they going to Nando's back from steroids? Are you going to have are you going to have a a, a a financial tsunami that comes on the Padres at some point? Like the Padres TV partner Bally's is going into bankruptcy. Are they going to be getting even getting their TV money? I mean, it's great. Their fan fest was sold out. They didn't have enough security. You could have a film crew following these guys to put a hard knocks version of what's happening, and you follow them throughout the year. Let's see if this team can take it home, or are they going to be a colossal flop and spend all that money? That's what would make our game great. Give me shows. Where's MLB Network? I mean, I get it. Kevin Millar, and that show's cute, and it's it's him and his, his jargon. Man, start giving me more what's happening in this game. That's what people want to see. 
All you have to do is look at the other sports. Look at hard knocks. Look what they're doing in golf. Look what they're doing in Formula One. They're taking you inside the sport. That's what our fan. That's what something people would be like. If baseball had this, I mean, think about you know following Fuji right now. What's this guy going through as he pitched yesterday? How's he living his life? Where where is he in Arizona? How's he surviving? How's he getting ready? Like following players that come over from different countries. I mean, you you can't tell me if you hadn't had a a, a TV crew following following around Shohei Otani the past couple of years, that wouldn't have been fascinating. What's this guy going through? What is his day-to-day life like? Let us in. Stop telling us how cute everything is and start telling us what the real world is like inside baseball. That, I'm in for that. And I guarantee you, people would attract to the sport like never before. If, if there's enough people who are geeking out over golf, golf, I like golf, but I got to tell you, most of these players, they're not that interesting. Tiger Woods is a global superstar, but Tiger Woods as a person is boring. We've got some flat-out characters who would be, and the stuff, that, the shenanigans that happens in big league clubhouses, but also how tough it is. What are those conversations like when Mark Kotze pulls somebody in and has to say, you're out of here. We've just recently done that. You're going back down, and this is what you need to work on, and this is what you need to do. How about when guys get cut? That was like the first thing, hard knocks, that people loved was to watch guys have to bring their playbook into the GM and the head coach and to get cut and to see their real reaction of what is it, what is it like to lose your job in the National Football League. You got to see it. And people are like, wow, that's ruthless. A guy comes to your door, knock, 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 knock. Hey, Joe Smith, coach wants to see you. Bring your playbook. You know, everybody knows when you're, when you're walking to that meeting room and you have your playbook, you're gone. And they're going to tell you why. And they're going to wish you good luck. Think about that. That's, that, that's, that's razor's edge, man of what professional sports is like. It's the truth. Professional sports is so demanding. It's cruel. It's hardcore. There's riches. There's wonderful parts of it. And there's just the absolute train wreck of it. Let's cover it. Let's see it. What is it really like to face a 100-mile-an-hour fastball? The kid that used to play at Tennessee, who's now with the Angels, U- University of Tennessee throws 105. Let me look up his <clears throat> We talked to this. I, I never actually remember look, looking up his name. Yeah. Did, did you see his first outing? I did not. His first outing, first pitch, was against the Chicago White Sox. He almost hit a guy in the head. Uh, ben Joyce is his name. Yeah, you can see it. Uh, it was out on Twitter. Guy throws 105 miles an hour. First pitch of spring training. Guy from the White Sox steps in. All right, here we go. Buzzed his tower. At 105 miles an hour. And now you got to get back in the box. That's the real competition. That's what we need to be selling in Major League Baseball. That's what we need people to see. We need Netflix. We need HBO. We need some type of show. Follow us. Can you imagine the Moneyball years? Can you imagine falling around Jason Giambi? What about the 89 team? Well, 
<laughs> from what I've heard with that team, there's no way you could do that. But, yeah, um, exactly. Think about some of the crazy teams in the history of baseball. If you actually followed them, this is what this team is like. Yeah, the 89 A's. Can you imagine that? You would have had an earthquake. You would have had a World Series with an earthquake, a behind scenes of what the A's and the Giants players were going through with an earthquake disrupting the World Series. You don't think that would have made for great television when it's really not TV, it's cable? Uh, the nice thing about Netflix, or Netflix, well, Netflix, but more so HBO Max when they do hard knocks, from what I've learned, and watching it this year, but from what they've done previously, is you develop characters from it. Like, the guy, totally. from, the guy from the Lions this year was Malcolm Rodriguez, who, he was a linebacker from, like, New Mexico, but he was a character, and he and he busted his busted his butt in uh, training camp, made the team, and he was actually a good player for them. But he was a character that the coaches and, the play, and his teammates loved, on the show, and he became a pot. Everyone's talking about him on Twitter and social media, and there's videos of him. He became a star from that. He's not the greatest player in the world, but he's a star from how he was on the show. You could do that easily with baseball. Following Shohei Otani this year has to be the easiest thing in the world to do making money because he's in a free. He, we all know he's most likely going to walk and try to make almost 50 to $60 million a year after this season. Why not follow him? I, 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 are we just thinking of this? Like, like. The, the, the one that's probably the most famous is when they followed the Ravens. Because as you mentioned, all of a sudden you have these great characters, the late, great Tony Siragusa, Shannon Sharp, Ray Hall Lewis. of Famer, Ray Lewis. Like, they win the Super Bowl. I mean, Brian Billick is a character as the head coach. Brian, Dilfer? Brian, Dilfer? Brett Dilfer's a quarterback. Brian Billick's the smartest guy in football. Just ask him. Um, <laughs> it, it, was, it was amazing. And they recently had their anniversary of that Super Bowl team, and they had them all up there, and they talked about how the cameras allowed all the personalities to come out. We could easily do that in baseball. What is it like to be a Yankee? As much as we can't stand them, wouldn't it be interesting to follow the New York Yankees around, follow them from Tampa, follow them to New York? What's it like, right? What's it like to be a New York Yankee? Aaron Judge, you're trying to tell me following Aaron Judge around wouldn't be interesting? Especially last year. That would have been the year Oh, my God. Yeah. And try you do it from the winter meetings. Like, all of a sudden, Aaron Judge is flying into San Diego to meet with the Padres. No one knew about it. We were in San Diego. Turn the heater up. We were in San Diego for the winter meetings, and all of a sudden, it's like Aaron Judge was in town. What? Yeah, Aaron Judge. And then, of course, Ace Cast Live. We're Johnny on the spot. Who did we have at the end of the winter meetings with the Padres? Uh, Bob Melvin. Bob Melvin stopped by and told us the whole deal about how he flew in. Aaron Judge did on a private jet. He was at, he was in Tampa for Monday. Was it Monday Night Football? Yes, Monday Night Sunday Night Football. Monday Night. He was there for Monday Night Football. Gets in uh, in a private plane, flies to San Diego. We think it's to meet with the Yankees. That's what the rumors were. Or it's the Giants. No, it wasn't. It was the Padres. And then Bob Melvin told us all about the all about it. By the way, little old Ace cast, we were giving this to you in San Diego at the winter meetings when no one else had the extent of the true meeting between the Padres and Aaron Judge. You know who had it? We had it. Oh, and we- no one no one like picked up on no one went, Well, Ace Cast Live just had Padres manager uh, Bob Melvin and he just explained the whole meeting to everybody. No one no one even picked up on it. It's like, okay. 
the best part was the whole, that whole thing, us being in the middle of Yes Network and, <laughs> and, and NBC Giants. Sports Bay Area. Oh, God. When, our, our, when Arson Judge signed with the, the Giants, everyone lost their mind. Our, 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 poor, our poor friends at NBC Sports California got uh, – excuse me, not California, Bay Area. They got duped. And, yeah, can you imagine, let's just say it was hard knocks baseball and you were following the Giants. And John Heyman puts out Arson Judge signing with the Giants. And to watch NBC Sports Bay Area and their crew try and make a makeshift, basically, area to our left, where they start setting up all these cameras, they start, like, getting ready. The Yes Network's to our right. So we're looking directly at the convention rooms, right? Rob Manfred walked by us to do that speech where he he told everybody Cable's dying and everybody's like, oh, boy. But to our left was the Giants. To our right was the Yankees and the Yes Network. So you got the Yankee people looking over at the Giants people. The Yankee people are talking about, well, uh, it's not looking good, but nothing's guaranteed. And you got the Giants people who are like, rushing to set up cameras and lights and oh my god it's happening it's happening it's happening it's like you couldn't be more duped than nbc sports bay area was. They, they had kapler there too if you would have seen this like we saw it play out like our cameras are on us but we should have just moved our cameras over and said look at these guys you want to talk about april fools being played on you you could have had a hard knocks crew following this and would have showed how the Giants were so – the Giants were like, oh, my God, we got Aaron Judge, and the winner means is flipping out. And then they don't get him. And then the the next day is the last day of the winter meetings. Their PR people, their people, they were gone by lunch. Like, they got Kapler, who ended up late. Gabe Kapler was late to the picture for all the managers. Lit, you, want, you want some inside? We have the knowledge of it. Gabe Kapler was super late to – so they get the picture of all the American League managers and they get the picture of all the National League managers wherever the winter meetings are. Kapler was late, and they were pissed to where the National League managers were like, screw him, take the picture, take the picture. They're trying to get – we're out of here, take the picture. Take. And they – no, we got to wait, we got to wait. But the PR, I know they were gone because I saw them leave. I got lunch. We did our show to what, like 11 o'clock? Yeah, something like that. Or noon was one of them. And I went across from the hotel. I grabbed the uh, where I left my credit card. Uh, I How do you leave your credit card getting a Poke Bowl? It happened last time we were there, too. You left your credit card at, at a local watering hole. Yeah, I was drinking then. Yeah. <laughs> at least I had an excuse. I was buying everybody drinks. This time I was buying a Poke Bowl. How do you leave your credit card buying a Poke Bowl? God, that's on me. I'll call myself out. <laughs> Kangaroo Court. I mean, that was brutal. And when I got back home, I'm like, where's my credit card? And I got an email from whatever the Poke Bowl place was. I'm like, God, I can't. I'm an idiot. That's why That's why this whole now p- being able to pay with your phone, that's a good thing for people like me. I have a friend that paid. The, I know you can do it. I haven't set it up. You can actually just use your Apple Watch or your Fitbit. And Maybe I need to get an Apple Watch. And just I, tap it. I need to not have cards or money on me because I don't know where. I can't tell you how many golf carts I left my stuff in. I just, I'm that guy. we got to set up those AirTags. Yes, I have AirTags I got for Christmas. They're still sitting next to my bed. <laughs> um, yeah, so I come back from lunch, and I saw the Giants PR people getting in an Uber. 
And I went, wait a minute, we have hours before the winter meetings are over. We were going back on for our next session, and the Giants people were heading to the airport. You don't think that would have been compelling television to watch the San Francisco Giant brass and media go from the ultimate high to the ultimate low of not getting Aaron Judge? And really, they looked, well, it's the Giants. I don't like them. They looked stupid. They looked ridiculous. They acted like they had just conquered the world, and they were duped by a bad tweet. One tweet. Arson judge, too. One tweet. A tweet. Freaked their world out and made them look like bozos. And then they tucked their tail between their legs and headed off back home. It was was fun to watch. Well, then a few weeks later, what happened? So put it this way. I can tell you this. As an A's fan... Knowing what I saw, if you put that on hard knocks and A's fans got to watch how the Giants looked, like the whole Giants thing, you know, like, you know, NBC's Bay Area is connected with NBC California. So we have to tread lightly, and I do work for them, and I appreciate my opportunities there, no question. But the way everybody looked, for A's fans, would have been priceless. Right? Plus, you could have fought. You saw what I saw. Wouldn't it have been price Ace fans? Ace fans, you would have got a major chuckle out of it. Plus, you could have followed a few weeks later when uh, Carlos Correa was coming, and then Carlos Correa wasn't coming. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the Giants on hard knocks would have been incredible. From Judge to Correa to where they are now, and now they're trying to sell. Well, you know, we got, we got Mitch Hanniger, and he played 57 games. Then we got Conforto. He didn't even play a game. We've got guys who couldn't play, but we're going to pass their physicals. But Carlos Correa, we won't. I still have on my phone the Instagram post. I made sure I took a picture of it of Carlos Correa in a Giants uniform with with uh, wearing the necklace of Christmas lights. And they had that Christmas offer, the ticket offer, the, the Happy Holidays Carlos Correa Christmas offer on Instagram. Oh, yeah, the Giants? Gi- the National League West. You could have done the National League West on Hard Knocks this year. I mean, you could follow in the Dodgers. The Dodgers are all over the joint. I mean, it, I mean interesting. It's really, really been fascinating. But, yeah, we missed out on it. All this drama, all this stuff that could have been happening, and what's everybody doing? Everybody's just stoked. Everybody, oh, my God. And this, we're all doing a bunch of cutesy stuff. It's all cute. And cutesy's fun for a while. But what people want is Drive to Survive on Netflix, Formula One. I know nothing about Formula One. I just know people are watching it all around the world. Full Swing is so big in golf and so big. See, the thing about the – you end up creating fan bases because, like all of you, you stay up at night. You're looking for stuff to watch. They put this, they, you know, they keep putting stuff up for you to watch on Netflix, new stuff, the stuff that's popular. You may know nothing about Formula One. You may know nothing about golf, but you start watching it on Netflix. If there was a full swing, I don't know, that's the golf one, but whatever you call it, high heat, and you had the high heat uh, documentary on Netflix. Do you know how many new fans you could create by having this document, this documentary series? about what is it really like to be inside a Major League Baseball team and how fascinating it could be, how many new fans you could bring. That's how you bring new fans to the sport. Not asking people, like, if you were a tree, what tree would you be? I mean, this is what would bring people into our game. 
not having some lame show on MLB Network and doing the, you know, Players Weekend and everybody's so happy and this is the coolest thing ever. That's not selling, baby. What sells is hard knocks, and other sports are doing it. Other sports are figuring out. Funny, why not look at the, the sport that's the most successful thing in the entertainment business? Why not look at that and copy them? You think that would be a good idea? Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that, you know, even basketball, like well, basketball and football have mastered it perfectly and it has nothing to do with a documentary. What do people care about more in basketball and football than any, any other sport? Oh, these years? If any of these years having a crew fall around the Warriors, what we know, being on the, you know, having covered the Warriors, the fascinate, how fascinating that would have been. I mean, anytime LeBron goes somewhere. I mean, think about the year of Kevin Durant and then Kevin Durant leaving the Warriors, if you documented that, the drama that was going on at the time, what that would have been like. Would have been fascinating. I was going to say, that's the offseason. That's what people care about the most is the offseason. Yeah, but if you would have covered that whole thing, uh, it, 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 it's gold. We could do that in baseball. Do we have Jesse? Yeah, I think Je- Jesse would agree. Because I think... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jesse, welcome back to Ace Cast Live. How are you? I'm good, guys. How's it going? We we just been talking about it because of all the, I don't know how much you follow golf, but the way the PGA Tour is changing, there's a lot of craziness going on happening as we speak. Uh, the commissioner is talking today. They had the meeting with all the players. And because of the changes with Live Golf, it's been fascinating. And I was just talking about Full Swing, the documentary on Netflix for golf, then uh, Drive to Survive, the one for Formula One that's been so successful. I said, you know, this is what people want. You want to bring new people into our sport? And I was thinking about if there was one of the teams, I talked about the Giants and the winter meetings and Judge to Correa. And I think, how about if a, a crew from MLB Network was following around the San Diego Padres? I mean, the, the, the stuff that's been going on with the Padres, just this, this, you know, Nando's coming back. You got Machado's going to opt out. He's re-signed. Darvish, I mean, the excitement in San Diego. Fan Fest was so big, you didn't have enough security and everything. The Padres would be a great team. If we did basically like a hard knocks, what has been so successful in the NFL, if we did that for baseball, think about if they did that around the Padres, how exciting that would be. Well, I give the Padres credit because while while I'm sure a lot of it may never end up seeing the light of day, I mean they are documenting all of this internally. Um, so they'll they'll have the footage, they'll have it, you know, ready to go. They can turn it into whatever they want to turn it into. But I mean, everywhere everywhere we go around here, there there are you know real deal film film crews uh, that you know work for the Padres. So they are they are documenting all this. I think there's a really good understanding around here that you know what's happening uh, could be historic is special uh, and they want to make sure they have that footage you know what that turns into i don't know but i think they recognize the importance of hey let's get it all and then we'll kind of see where it goes obviously if the team wins the world series at the end of this year um, to be able to have this footage from spring training and throughout the entire season is going to be really valuable as you put together all of those postseason videos and everything like that so um, they are they are definitely thinking that way and and look i i was lucky enough when i worked for the dolphins the, the year hard knocks came 
you know, I got to be around it. Yeah. And that operation is remarkable. It really is. Um, and there's no question, you know, it, it's great entertainment. It's great television. Um, it, it drives some interest. F1 obviously is the great example. Um, I don't know that it always is going to accomplish necessarily, though, like more people caring about the sport. You know, I mean, just because it's good TV doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate to that. Now, in F1, it has because that's blown up. It, it feels like it's gone from zero to 100 in this country, at least the last couple of years. But, you know, like the, the golf one with everything else, as you mentioned, that's going on with golf. I don't know that I'm like necessarily saying, all right, look, the show is compelling. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know if that means people are necessarily going to be watching like Friday and Saturday at the Honda Classic now more than they would have been. Although, you know, may, maybe I'll be wrong and we'll see. But I'm with you. Like, I, I think more is always great, you know, in terms of access and in terms of getting to know these guys as human beings. We're lucky enough to be on the inside and get a, a good taste of that. Um, but, yeah, for fans to be able to see more of the human side to me is always a positive. You know, when I was a kid growing up in San Diego, I grew up right next to San Diego State, grew up going to the Murph. Ray Kroc owned the team, and he went for it. So that's when they brought in Goose Gossage, and they brought in Nettles, and they brought in, you know, Garvey was traded for, a young, a young Tony Gwynn, and Alan Wiggins was coming up, and they had a great year. They shocked the Cubs and then got drilled by the Tigers uh, in the World Series. But it was a great run. They spent a lot of money then. Now what's happening in San Diego, the money is so historic. It's really mind-blowing. Peter Seidler going all in. Just talk about what it's like to be around this to where the – I mean, we're talking about past 2024, it's well over a billion dollars has been committed by the Padres, more than any other team in Major League Baseball. Uh, it's been a wild ride, especially with the money. What has that been like being around this team and the financial commitment that you know that's coming? I mean, for one, it's fun. I mean, let's you know, let's start there. Um, for for two, this is what I've been telling people: the singular goal of this ownership and this organization is to win a World Series. Um, it, it's not the top priority; it is the priority. You know, what I mean, and and look, you're running a business. You you normally have multiple priorities, right? And I'm not saying they're putting everything else aside. You know, they still want to be impactful in the community. You know, they still care about yeah. lots of other stuff. But like really and truly, it's about winning a World Series. Um, and and or at least I should say putting the team in a position to win the World Series. Because I think we all do know once you get into October, weird stuff can happen and all that. But, you know, to, to give them the best opportunity they could possibly have to win a World Series. I think of it as a fan, right, as a fan of a team. And what else could you ever ask for? You know, I mean, what else could you ever want, you know, to be in a position where all they care about is trying to be the team holding the trophy at the end of the season. That is why we watch these games. That is why we care about these games. I know in baseball, sometimes it can be easy to forget that because the season is so long and there is that beautiful constancy of MLB. Right. And that every night throughout the summer when nothing else is happening, you know, in the world of sports and there's no new TV shows, you have baseball every night. And that's part of why we love this game. That's part of what makes this game so special. But sometimes you can forget, they, as Herm said, right, they play to win the games. And, like, this is this is it for the Padres. This is, like, the full, full financial commitment to say we're going to do everything we can because we want to win a World Series. No team in San Diego, as you know, has ever won a title, you know, in a major sport. And, and so to be the ones to do that, and I think that trickles down to the players as well. You heard Manny talking about it at his press conference when he got the contract extension. You know, like, the 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 – the opportunity to do something here that has never been done, I think really hits for these guys um, because you realize it takes you to like a whole nother level of legend. 
You know, I mean, you can go to this whole other level of like special in a town, in a community where you're going to be remembered forever. You will be immortalized. There will be a statue. They will retire your number, like those kinds of things that you cannot buy. And um, for, for those of us who are lucky enough to be here right now, to just sort of be even on the periphery of it, you know, as an announcer, it's incredibly special. It really is. Fernando Tatis Jr. coming back. Padres win the World Series. What what does he have to do offensively, and where does he play defensively to help this team get to where they want to go? Yeah, I think defensively, you know, certainly the start is going to be right field. Um, he's he's a freakish athlete, and that's that's an important thing to remember here. Now, is he going to look like a guy who's played the outfield his entire life? Probably not. Um, you know, certainly at first, but he's got a great arm, so he's going to have an opportunity to show that off in right field. And he's wildly athletic. You know, I, I heard somebody the other day on the outside say, you know, he's probably going to make a, you know, not make some plays that a normal outfielder will make at the beginning, but he's also going to make a bunch of plays that no one else could make. Um, and I think that's probably like the defensive scouting report on him, at least here in the early goings. But he is such a talent that at some point, you know, he's going to he's going to be great out there. He could go out and win a gold glove like that wouldn't surprise me. I think he's that kind of athlete and he's that kind of baseball player offensively. I mean, th th there's so much depth in this lineup. Like, I, I would hate to say, oh, he's got to hit 30 home runs for them to have a chance because I don't even know if that's necessarily the case. But he's capable of it. You know, he's not going to be eligible to return from the suspension until April 20th. Um, you know, if he does have a fully healthy season after that, he can do some special things. You go back to two years ago, he led the National League in home runs, I think, with 42. And he only played 130 games because of injuries that year. So that gives you a pretty good idea of what he's capable of. You know, the, the trades, Preller was just wheeling. He was like Jack McKeon back in the day, Trader Jack. I mean, he was wheeling and dealing. And, you know, here comes Hater. Oh, my God, that's incredible. And then it's the Juan Soto was wow. But I can tell you, all my buddies down there, they were not thrilled with the 236 average in 52 games and the whole uh, staring down pitchers and just walking a lot. And, bear, I mean, we were looking at the data. He wasn't swinging. He wasn't swinging at balls, which traditionally he doesn't do, right? That's why he walks so much. He wasn't swinging at strikes either. What are your expectations for Juan Soto now? Comfortable spring training, a year where he's now a Padre and he can just focus on this year. I know there will be the talk about the contracts, but now he can just focus on a season. What are the expectations? Yeah, I think you just hit on all the reasons why I expect him to be Juan Soto again this year. And and you're right, last year he was not at the level that he had sort of always uh, been at as a big leaguer. But if you dig into some of the more advanced numbers, he's still one of the best hitters in baseball last year, which is crazy because the average was down the way it was and the power was down a little bit as well. But he's just that good of an offensive player. I I fully expect, you ask my expectations, I fully expect him to look like the Juan Soto that we all you know sort of got used to seeing in Washington, even though he's only been in the big leagues for a few years, even though he's still 24 years old or whatever he is. He, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, when he got here, he had had a weird year in Washington. You know, he was kind of the lone guy in that lineup. Maybe you start trying to do too many things. Now some bad habits develop. Oh, now there's a mechanical thing that took place. That's hard to unspool inside of a season, right? You know, and I think now with a winter to work on all that stuff, in addition to everything you said about being comfortable here, not showing up and feeling that extra pressure of, hey, you know, this is a World Series contending team that just traded for me. I got to go out and do everything. And again, all he's got to do is look up and down this lineup. And it's going to be the same for all these guys. Like Manny's not going to feel any extra pressure. Sandra Bogarts isn't going to feel any extra pressure. Fernando Tatis shouldn't feel any extra pressure. And, and Juan Soto shouldn't feel any extra pressure because there's such an absurd amount of talent at the top half of this lineup offensively that, you know, like two of them can be in a tough spot for a few days. And this team will be just fine.
you know, I, I talk about it all the time that somebody has to be at the front of the plane, somebody has to be at the front of the bus, and somebody has to lead the circus. And that is your manager. And I did the Bob Melvin show for eight years. I know Bob Melvin well. I got him the mattress that he sleeps on every single night. I got him that sponsorship. Uh, so we love Bob. Just talk about what he meant coming in. Somebody had to lead the troops. Somebody's got to be that guy. And he's been the perfect guy for the Padres. Perfect fit. Perfect fit. You know, I mean, sometimes things just really, really work out nicely. And, and look, obviously, you know, what took place there and and, and sort of the, the great migration, if you will, or the exodus, you know, of all those guys and, and kind of resetting the roster there. Um, you know, it, it for him was a nice time, I'm sure, you know, to be able to try and take on a new challenge. Um, and he's he's in awe here because, you know, this is unlike anything that he's ever been a part of. It's really unlike anything that any of us have seen um, in baseball. It's not very often that you're, you, you have the possibility of like three or four guys are going to finish the top five in MVP voting all in the same clubhouse. But like that's not the craziest thought in the world when you consider, you know, those names we just talked about at the top of the lineup. And you want a steady hand. And, and most importantly, you know, I think you want somebody who has been there and done that as a player and as a manager before. It is a great fit. He is a great man. He is a great manager. He has the respect of all of those guys. He can go in and have that tough conversation if it's ever needed with one of them. And it will it will matter. It, you know, it will come off as something they can accept because he does have that uh, history in the game and because he does have that respect. So, um, you know, boy, did that work out really, really nicely. I love Mark Kotze, by the way, one of my favorite people in baseball. And for him, a great opportunity, you know, with a younger group uh, to teach and to and to do all that kind of stuff that he's so good at. Two different guys, you know, two different stages of their managerial careers, of course. And um, no, I mean, we it, it feels very fortunate um, that this situation has kind of worked out the way it has here. This year is interesting because as exciting as it was for the Padres at the end of the year and what happened in the playoffs, they were still far behind the Los Angeles Dodgers. Everybody has still been looking up at the Dodgers other than when the Giants won 107 and the Dodgers won 106. This has still been the Dodgers division, We and we don't know exactly what they're going to look like. They've got some definite changes going on. But my point is, as excited as everybody is, they still haven't slayed the dragon yet. I know they want a playoff series, and I and we just did the Diamondbacks yesterday. I'm kind of bullish on the Diamondbacks. We love Tori Lovello. I think they got a lot of speed and a lot of athleticism. I think they're going to be better than people think. Um, but just you know, just talk about that. The rivalry between the Padres and the Dodgers. The Padres still need to win a division. That to me more will be slaying the dragon than just one playoff series. I actually disagree, you know, and for a couple of reasons, you know, I think one like last year really did feel like slaying the dragon because it sort of was like, all right, you went five and 14 against them in the regular year. But so what? You know, the Dodgers walked away, you know, with nothing while the Padres moved on to the National League Championship Series. Now you add to that the fact that you get rid of two series this year with the new schedule. So all of a sudden, you know, it's not 19 games where it felt like every one, but you know, it's, it's just a different feel. Yeah. They matter that much less mathematically, like the Dodger games matter less now than they did in the last 20 years. And then the next thing is, is on top of all of that, uh, the, the playoff format, you know, and, and this extra spot. And I know having the buy would be nice, you know, by winning the division. But again, I go back to what I said earlier about the, the goal is to win the world series. You know, whether you win the wild card or the National League West, I don't know that it matters. 
Um, you know, if you if you go on to win the World Series, which is what they care about, which is what they're trying to do, I don't think they're going to look back and be like, well, we didn't win the division. You know, so I, I really feel like it's it's a goal. Don't get me wrong. And, and everybody would be thrilled if they won the division. And it would definitely be a big deal. There will be a pen and hung, you know, if they win the National League West in 2023. I don't want to, you know, discount that in any way. No. But, you know, if they win the division and go out of the NLCS, they would they would much prefer to be a wild card that, that goes to the World Series. So I, I think it. In a weird way, it's almost bigger than the Dodgers now for the Padres. That was kind of the the, the dragon. That was kind of the thing that they were chasing, you know, these last few years. And now it, it, it again, in part because of the playoff format, in part because of the schedule, and in part because of what happened in the postseason last year, to me at least, and look, we'll see once the season gets going, but to me at least it, it kind of feels like it's, it's almost secondary now. Like, like who would have thought we'd ever be sitting here having this type of conversation where all of a sudden we're giving the Dodgers a reason to have a chip on their shoulder? Think about that. This is a team, they've been on like an Atlanta Braves type run, yeah. right? They've owned this division. Now, we're now like, they've but got. But you know what? Like there's there's a history lesson there, right? Those Braves teams, they won one in 95. I mean, that's, that's and, and you know, if, if you went back and talked to Bobby Cox, right, or John Cherholtz, would, would you be like, hey, would, would you trade a couple of those division titles for a couple more rings? Of course. You know, I mean, that's that's the whole point. And I mean, you, you go back, I, I say this all the time. You go back to the 80s, the Mets should have won more than one. You go to the 90s, the Braves should have won more than one. You go back to the 2000s, the Phillies should have won more than one. It just shows how hard it is to win a World Series and how impossible it, it seems to be to win a World Series. The Cubs of the last decade with that group, you know, like you, you would have thought they'd won more than one. You know, the Astros have now won a second. Obviously, that's a little bit more of a complex situation, but. Um, you know, it's it's really difficult. No team has won a back-to-back World Series since the Yankees won in 98, 99, and 2000. Um, the ring is the thing, and um, it's really hard to do. This is, again, to t- I'm not taking – I'm giving the Dodgers credit because the run that they have been on is historic. It is legendary. But as of now, they have the one. And, you know, I think, again, winning, winning the division is nice. It matters less now than it's ever mattered uh, because of the extra playoff teams and – and, and it's it's world. I don't want to say World Series are bust, but World Series is the goal here. It really is. Well, we just came up with the name for our Netflix series. The ring is the thing. <laughs> we'll give you credit. Netflix starting next year. The ring is the thing. All right. Let's Can I get a producer credit too. I'll take two percent of the merchandising and, you know, we're going to give you some merch. Don't worry. We'll give it. We'll give you some points, as they like to say, and get a little cash for you. <laughs> let's end on this season's going to get going. A.J. Preller calls you into the office and says, how do I improve this team? What do we need to do to guarantee that we're in that World Series and win that World Series? How could they add from here? The first thing I would say to him is um, by, by not asking me. Like, let's start there. That, I'm the wrong person to ask. Oh, we're bringing you, you in. We're bringing you in. It's all on you. Um, I, my answer is always pitching. It's always pitching. You know, almost, you know, aside from the makeup of the roster – or the team, it's always pitching. You know, if you can go out and get like a solid mid-rotation guy, um, you know, that, that, that's having a good year or two, like that's it. For me, it's always pitching. I mean, I look back, you know, you can say this little run for the Padres began in 2020, right? And 2020 was weird, as we all know. Yeah. 2020, they go into the playoffs. They face the Dodgers in, in Texas in the division series after they beat the Cardinals here. And they basically ran out of pitching, you know, because of injuries. Um, and then in 2021, Things fell apart for the team in August and September. They ran out of pitching. Uh, you know, last year in the postseason, they were probably one starter short of, you know, really being in, in what I would call an ideal position in a best of seven. You know, Mike Clevenger couldn't get out of the first inning of one of the games in Philadelphia. Man, it basically turned into a bullpen game. Um, that is, 
that is almost always my answer, you know, and, and in part because they've kind of felt like they've run out of pitching the last couple of years. But if you look at every great team, you know, baseball's changed a ton in the last 150 years. But the reality is, you know, pitching is still the thing. Um, so for me, it's it's almost always add more pitching, add more pitching. Well, I got to tell you, you're doing a great job. And, you know, a long list from the Hall of Famer, Jerry Coleman, Ted Leitner, Teddy Ballgame, who we have on this show, who I grew up watching. We love to have people on from San Diego. And whether it's Bob Melvin or Ryan Christensen, rooting for everybody down there, a lot of former A's. Keep doing the great work that you're doing. We appreciate the time. And we'll see you during the season. And good luck to you guys. No, my pleasure. Thanks for all the nice words. Really do appreciate that. And always, uh, always fun chatting with you. And, yeah, I mean, we definitely have, we got good A's connections right now. Billy Bean, of course, is from San Diego, yeah. you know, with Bob and Ryan here, Cots there. Um, it's, uh, it, it, it feels like a, like a, like a big brother, little brother, or just, uh, or cousins or something. It's, it's really neat. It really is. And those Netflix checks, they're going to be in the mail. <laughs> Take care, buddy. Appreciate it. I like it. We got a name for the new Netflix show. Are we going to get credit for this? Helping baseball figure because you know, like even he said, he's watching the golf. He's not a golf guy. Why? Why? I don't know. But at least you're not watching golf on Netflix. That may make you go. You know what? I am going to watch the Masters. I am going to watch Formula One. I got to watch this Formula One because I know nothing about for- open wheel racing, as they like to call it. There are a lot of people that watch it now. I I a start- lot of people all over the world are watching this Formula I mean, One thing. It's I have, hugely successful. I have some friends that I never in my life expected to watch Formula One. Watch Formula One. Well, it is. I mean, strapping dudes into a rocket and flying around a track is kind of cool, right? I mean, race. You're a race car driver. I mean, the bravado. The I mean, it is a sport that legitimately every single time you get in the car, you could die. I mean, you're a race car driver. You've got a fire suit on. How many people go to work other than people that are firefighters who go to work with a fire suit on? And you've got advertisements all over it. You're in a fire suit, man. Do we do Ace Cast Live? Are we in fire suits? I mean, you, you, the risk of death is there every single time you get in the car. It's a badass sport. You've got to be a grown man or woman. You've got to have some you-know-what to do this for a living. I mean, they're going so fast, it's insane. You know what? I'm gonna start watching it. Well, I, not- and I know nothing about I I know nothing about Formula One. I just know they go it's open wheel and they go really fast. I will eventually get into it. I know that it's like I said, it's popular. They have a couple seasons on Netflix. I started watching like the first episode and then I just lost track of it. So I mean I'm always behind on shows that people watch. Like the big show that was huge years ago was The Wire. I just started watching that. I just finished Succession. That's a huge show on HBO right now. So when these shows are really popular at the time, I don't watch them. Like, I don't watch Breaking Bad when they came out. But now I'm like, but I think that if we did something in baseball along these lines, as Jesse mentioned, they're documenting everything with the Padres, as they should. They're spending all this money. baseball should be doing it. Not the the Um, team itself. I'm going to tell you all A's fans out there, I'm not buying everything he's selling. I know they're very excited. I got my brothers excited, my family's excited, friends. I, I'm like, who has been winning? Who's been the model organization as much as we hate it? Well, I think you're not going to the, the the Astros. Houston Astros have been to the ALCS six straight years. Houston Astros have been to four World Series. Houston Astros have won two World Series. Have they conducted their business like this? No. No. 
Let me tell you something. This has a recipe for absolute disaster. Oh, it's all in on winning the World Series. Okay, great. But at some point, all of this money and these players getting older could be an absolute disaster. They're, they're, they're on the hook for over a billion dollars already after 2024. A billion. And they want to sign Soto. And Hater. And Hater. And go after Otani. Like, this could be such a disaster. And I don't want to put any bad mojo on anybody, but God forbid anything happens to ownership. Like, I can give you an example. Hasso Plattner is the German billionaire who owns the San Jose Sharks. Look, lost, look up his wealth. By the way, Sharks lost six, not the last night. Yeah. But we're, we're going for the first pick. Don't say you're a Sharks fan. You're not from here. What? You're not from Our here. Our Sharks. You're, yeah, you're not from here. You're a Pittsburgh guy. They stink, too. $8.2 billion. Okay. He's worth $8.2 billion. Put Peter Seidler in there. I just want to give you an example. So, the owner of the Sharks is worth $8.2 billion. Uh, no. Let me see. Hold on. It just popped up right there when it showed him. This is from May of 20. Okay, like, give me a second. It's an article. I have to probably have to scroll through. Well, that's l- not a good sign. It's breaking down all the owners. So I can just tell you that Hasso Plattner, in his trust, has a plan that there's money put aside for everything. The team, a new arena, there's three people that will be in charge of the Sharks if he passes away. He's worth $8.2 billion. I know we don't see him a lot. He owns Court of All. He, but he's got a whole contingency plan of if this happens to him, this is why the Sharks are fine. And it's in a trust. And everybody knows. There's three people that will be a part of this that run this, and I'm sure there's a list of how it will all go down. It looks like – from what I'm seeing from last year, around three mil, three billion. Okay, so he's he's billionaire. Five billion less than Hasso Plattner. So, my question is, if something happened to Peter Seidler, and not everybody, I don't know who his heirs are. I don't know how it would work. You know, there's always the big thing that we saw with the Bus family and the Lakers. We've talked about a lot with the Davis family, as a lot of people don't realize that Mark Davis's mom, Al Davis's wife, is still alive. So the inheritance tax is a huge deal. Huge. That's why the Bus family got ahead of this years ago with the Lakers and the Bus fortune. If something were to happen to Peter Seidler, who, you know, some people rumor he might be even into personal wealth when paying off some of these contracts. If something were to happen to him, oh, my God. Like, I don't know. I'm just saying. They're, they're guaranteeing money that I'm not sure they really have. Yeah, I think – and ba- and there there are rumblings in baseball. There are people worried about it. Like, man, you are really guaranteeing. You're really w- people like the all in, and the fans are all in the all in, and it's World Series. Of, well, okay, in five years from now, when you've got a bunch of mid to late thirties guys all making this money, that's guaranteed. That's not the NBA where you can get rid of bad contracts by trading it to somebody else. It's not the NFL where you can cut guys, take the cap hit, and deal with that for a year or two. Every dime is going to be paid out. Every single dime of this billion whatever it is right now. 
and they haven't signed Soto or Hader. I think it's one point zero one point zero one four billion, according. I think it's what Buster said the other day. And it's gonna get higher. And I think they said it was that, and then he said the Mets was like four hundred and something billion or four hundred something million, and the yeah, Padres it's, at one point zero one four. The Padres billion. have guaranteed more money than any team in the history. They're, they're basically like the soccer. They're like an English Premier team of baseball. How much money they're spending? It's crazy. And everybody's super stoked, and everybody thinks it's great. It's like okay, and I and, and I find it fascinating that the Dodgers now are the team. The Padres are now like look, like I said, ah, the division. To me, they haven't slayed the dragon. You did it in one series. You've won series. You had one series. You beat the Dodgers. You got to do it again, in my opinion. And we'll see. And now the Dodgers have the chip on the shoulder. The Dodgers can be the underdog. Who would have thought the Dodgers could be the underdog? Like, what happens if they don't? What happens if the Padres don't win? Yeah. and What I, happens, okay, you don't win the division. It's not about the division. Well, what happens if you're a wild card team and you, you lose two out of three and you're out and you're on the hook for billions of dollars? Here's just a list of – I'll do this quickly for you. Here's a list of some guys the Padres lost from last year. Brandon Jury, who they got at the deadline. Doesn't matter. Profar's gone. Doesn't matter. Clevenger. Doesn't matter. Myers. Manaya. They lost matter. their backup. Manaya, Manaya was terrible for But them. their starting rotation right now is you, Darvish, pretty yeah. good. Blake Snell, you never know what you're going to get for him. Blake Snell, by the way, you want a little trivia? The Seattle, Seattle zone, Blake Snell? You want a little trivia? Know your Padres? You sure. think you know so much, Mr. Know-it-all? How many times in Blake Snell's career has he gone over 130 innings? Twice. Eh. Once. Once. So you think it was the year he won the Cy Young then? Once. One time. Keep going. Oh, Keep yeah. going. This is Mike, magical Mike, rotation. Yeah. Michael Waka. Really? Had a decent year last year. All right. And they, his contract's really weird, too. It could be up to, like, $24 billion, or $24 million, Keep billion. going with this rotation. Yeah. I think it's Nick Martinez. Yeah. And Seth Luga, who was a reliever last year. Remember, Joe Musgrove hurt because he dropped a kettlebell Nick on his Marti- foot. Ma- Nick Martinez was not a full-time starter. Either is Lugo. No, I know. And, yeah, that sucks for Musgrove. And then they traded broken toe, right? Yeah, I remember. And then they traded Mackenzie Gore, their top pitching prospect, to get Soto. So it's pretty bleak for them right now. So Jesse's right; Pitch, pitching could be their Achilles heel because you got ooh, but it's not. A, it's not really. It's a tendon. It's not a heel. That's uh, true. I hate when people do that. So, so you, what are you going to do? You expect Hater to get a two outs, a two inning save every time because you're worried. Hater who rest. allowed twelve earned runs in August and wasn't the same guy. Is whoa, that, whoa, he was good in the postseason for them. The postseason is such a small sample. But that's that's all that matters when you pitch. If you pitch well at the end of the season, no one cares what happens in the middle. Yeah, but we're now talking about a full season. Well, we'll see. Tough division. I just, I just, I, yeah, I, I appreciate a team that goes all in, and I also go, okay, you're you're doing it in a like, I've seen the model that works. It's the Astros model. Yeah, they're pretty good. The Astros model works. Let's just name a couple of guys that they've lost and still be good. Uh, Verlander. Well, that's this year, so we'll see. They let him walk. Yeah, they let Gurriel walk from that team from last year, too. They let Correa walk. Garrett Cole's gone. They they didn't even negotiate with Cole. They uh, went, oh, yeah, see you later. Um, I think those are the, They've never are the had big, the highest payroll. No, those are the big guys that they let walk. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. It's, it's, it, the National League, that's what I'm saying, a film crew around all of this. Like, if you'd had a film crew that documented everything that's the Padres – and they go on to win the World Series, it'd be incredible. They go on and flop, it'd be incredible. Either way, it's going to be an, a, it, it's going to be a it's going to be a huge story. 
I don't think baseball fans outside of like San Diego realize financially what they're really doing. I, you know, the national media is talking about it, but I think the average baseball fan, if you knew, like, do you understand the amount of money they're spending right now and that they're the amount of guaranteed money that they are putting on the books for the next 10 years? Well, let's say five to eight years, but but still, what's Xander Bogarts and Manny Machado and these guys going to look like in their late thirties? And you're paying them. You, I don't care what, I you know I don't you know the dollar goes up and all that kind of stuff, but still, it'll be big money for these guys years from now, and they're going to be old. It's crazy. Yeah, for sure. The only guys that won't be that older, Machado and they signed Soto, but still they're going to be in their 30s. I mean, it looks great now, right? Remember when the Miami Heat showed up and, oh, man, we're not going to win. It's not, not going to be not five, five. Not, not six. Yeah, not seven. That? Now, they did win. They won two. But it's like – and it's easier to win in the NBA than baseball. And then LeBron back, went back to the Cavs, and then he's now he's a I Laker. Mean, I mean, we'll remember this interview, right? I mean, Jesse could – you know, Jesse and the Padre fans, they're, 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 they're jacked, right? They could – it could be incredible. Bulletin board material for the Dodgers. But then all of a sudden, what happens if it's not? Where do you go from? Where do you go from spending like crazy amount of money to where the owner could be going into his personal wealth and you don't win? Where do you go from there? Yeah, that's uh, it's a great question to ask. I'm glad we don't have to answer it. Oh, I'm, I, you know, covering it would be great if they win. If they don't, how are you gonna? How are you gonna explain that away? I mean, really, I mean, the expectations, it's it's funny to say, hey, it's just get in. Do you really feel like it's just get in when you spend that kind of money? No, you're you're expected to win the whole thing. Like you're and, not ex- ju- and not just once. Well, that that's why it's not about the division. It's easier to win. It's easier to win the World Series when you win your division. I want to be playing at home. I want to – and even if I got to be a wild card team, I don't want like they went into New York last year. I'd rather be having it at home. Everything you want at home, you want to be in your bed, you want to be in your ballpark, you want to be in your clubhouse. I know home field advantage doesn't have what it used to be in all the sports. I'm just saying, I'd rather be in my own bed than a bed in a hotel. Makes sense. The expectations are large. I mean, it is crazy. Especially, let's just say Nando comes back and he plays well and he lives up to what he was before the injuries and the PEDs and he is a good player playing in the outfield. Those expectations go up even more. Well, what if he was a great player because he was on PEDs? So that's a fair question. Right? No one wants to address that question. Like, all of a sudden, he isn't very good in the outfield and he doesn't have all that pop and he's not the same guy. Now what do you do? I mean, they're they're a fascinating. They are are literally a fascinating team, and I and I said it the other day, and I'll say it again. I think the Giants are going to be better than people think. I think the D backs are going to be better than people think. I mean, everybody everybody just wants to talk about everybody just wants to talk about Dodgers and Padres. I look out. I these guys with the Giant. The Giants went out and did. It was smart by Farhan. He went out and signed a bunch of people, and if they play good and stay healthy, that team's going to be a lot better. They were a 500 team. Well, now if they're better than a 500 team, I mean, 
Did you hear the the record? What the Dodgers' record was against the Padres last year? They yeah. owned them. Yeah, they're f- uh, Dodgers were fourteen and five. Yeah, I just to me, I I wouldn't say winning a series. I know the emotion of it, and it was huge and everything. I don't think winning a series slays a dragon. I think slaying a dragon is taking over and owning it. I mean, you don't think like if the Dodgers come out and win the division this year again. What that mental mind? This is a mental game. You don't. What do, what do you think that mental mindset would be? If the Dodgers came out, you spent all that money, you claimed you slayed the dragon, you beat them in the playoffs, and they come out the next year and win the division again, and you're back in the wild card. Yeah. Well, I mean, could happen. Could happen. Are you going to feel like you slayed the dragon? No. It could happen. It could happen this year. Yeah. I'm, that's what I'm saying. The, the expectations and the talk coming out of San Diego is it's kind of like Hembo and his Eagles when he guaranteed us a Super Bowl championship. I I, I, I bet my kids' college fund on the Super Bowl champions, and now my kids are going to have to go to a community college because I can't afford college because the Kansas City Chiefs. Hembo. <laughs> Hembo, how I, are um, you? Good, I, good. I got to weigh in on this because um, I did the research on the, the NL West a couple a couple weeks ago. And I don't think the Padres are honestly even all that close to slaying the dragon. Um, I'll, I'll tell you why. Oh, wait, so wait. Look, did you what? just? Did you? You didn't hear the interview we just did, did you? No, I just, I just heard your reaction. Okay, to so it. let me, let me just tell you what happened. So we had Jesse Agler's a great play-by-play guy. He used to be with the Dolphins. Now he's with the Padres. Uh, good friend of our buddy Roxy Bernstein. He does a tremendous job. And I was asking him about. Well, you know, the Dodgers have owned the division. You took him down in the postseason, but you still haven't slayed the draft. And he went, no, we've slayed the draft. They have the feeling in San Diego because they won that playoff against the Dodgers that all the past history is gone. They've slayed the dragon. And I joked, and I said, I can't believe now we're making out the Dodgers to be uh, the team with the chip on their shoulder. Uh, go ahead, you tell me. Has the has you know because in San Diego they're guaranteeing more money to players than anyone has ever guaranteed in the history of the game. They are truly all in. They're all in as all in can be, and I want to make clear because Padres fans have have gotten on me in the past about my assessment of their place in the baseball universe. So I want to make sure I'm I'm crystal clear with what I say. The Padres spending money hand over fist is holistically at least a, a fundamentally great thing for the game of baseball. Because the fans win, <laughs> and in this case, the other owners lose. Generally speaking, that's a proposition that has almost always favored the game historically. It's a good thing to see the number 30 media market in the country do this. I'm all for it. That being said, the Padres are not going to win the National League West this year. And the Dodgers are going to once again, and they're going to do so by at least 10 games. 10. <laughs> the Dodgers are still considerably better than the San Diego Padres. Anything can happen in the playoffs, and that was evidenced last year in the playoffs, right? Like that's a whole different – like the tournament is one thing. I'm talking about 162 games right here, okay? Look at their run differentials last year. I don't have the standings in front of me. But last year, the Dodgers were 290 runs better than the Padres were. <laughs> you don't make up that's – not, that's not an exaggeration. It's true. It is a statement of fact. Yeah. You don't make up 290 runs by assembling a, a constellation of a few stars. For all of the stars, for all the star power, and for all the celebrity, and for all the win probability swings that Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis and Xander Bogarts and Manny Machado are going to provide, the Dodgers, over 162, are more than going to make up for 
with their ruthless process and player development. The Dodgers have something like half a dozen top 100 prospects that are going to cheaply contribute to the big league club this year. The Padres don't have any of those guys. The shot that the Padres have already emptied the clip. The Dodgers have many bullets left in their chamber and they're coming from a position of strength, having destroyed this division last year during the regular season, historically great. Now, again, the playoffs are a different animal and the Padres are uniquely equipped to win playoff series because of that constellation of stars that they have assembled. And that does often win playoff series, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. The Dodgers are going to win the National League West this year, and they're going to do so by at least 10 games again. That's what I love about you. By the way, what was your degree in? I, I did my, my undergrad in communication, and I, I have a worthless master's degree in education, believe it or not. Fun fact about me. I mean, you, you know what I think about all the time, Himbo? If you and I would have mm. got on Wall Street and we would have got into hedge funds with all the stuff that we think about with sports and everything – we could be Steve Cohen. We could be rich. Instead, we're sitting here talking about dumb stuff like, hey, wait, is this guy going to de-age or is he going to play first? And, oh, my God, what's his Woba? I mean, we could be rich living out in the Hamptons. I could be a member at, like, any country club. I'd be a member at Augusta. I'd be a member at Wingfoot, Baltusrol there in the Northeast. Instead, we're doing this. I mean, we could be rich. Uh, we could also be dead. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure which is more likely, probably the latter. I mean, uh, right, right, right now, I mean, if you're watching AceCast Live right now, like I, it looks like I'm in a hostage video. I'm in my basement because yeah. at this present time, there are so many things happening upstairs. I have tw- six-month-old twin girls that are screaming their faces off. I have an incredibly annoying dog parenthetically named after Chase Utley, barking at everything going by us in the street. There are three guys upstairs replacing windows and doors in our house. So what I had to come down to is, is work out as quickly as I could and then talk ball with you. So, like, to say that Steve Cohen has it better than I do is obviously the understatement of the century. <laughs> I'm lucky to get half an hour to talk shop with you. Like, this is the best – this is the most fun I'll have this week. If we're going to talk about life choices – that says everything you need to know about about where I've arrived at this point. You know, we're not there yet, but I do think it's fascinating. I can't wait to watch is this NL East. I mean, it's going to be – I mean, the Mets had control of it. Then they lost control at the end. Here came the Braves. And then it was like the whole time sit back. like It's, it's like the guy in the corner smoking a cigarette, having a beer, watching two, buddy, two, two guys fight and went, eh, now it's my turn. Here comes the fight and fills, and they end up in the World Series. I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun to watch, and I'm hoping we have that kind of drama because can you truly make a case for all three of the, the Mets, the Braves, and your fight and fills to represent the National League in the World Series again? Yes. Definitively, yes. The Braves last year won 100 games. The Mets last year won 100 games. The Phillies last year reached the World Series. And on paper, all three of those teams got better. All of them. The Braves are absolutely stacked. I think the Braves roster is ridiculously underrated, to be honest with you, because so many of those guys are young and cheap. What they've done there is built a like player development behemoth that is sustainable on which you can add and on which you can expect players – to, to, to continue to improve because baseball is a young man's game. What the Mets have done is spent money hand over fist, I think a little bit more responsibly than San Diego has. They're going to have a ridiculous starting rotation, which is going to play up in the playoffs. They're going to score enough runs, and they're going to approach, if not exceed 100 wins once again. Buck Showalter gets as much as, if not more than, out of his teams than any manager in the sport, and we know that. Last year, the Phillies played at a 90-plus win pace once Rob Thompson became their manager. And given the new rules, 
Trey Turner is as good a bet to win MVP of the National League as anybody in the sport. Right now, that kid's in his prime. He has every skill under the sun. And if we're going to sit here and say that all these rules changes are going to benefit the best athletes in baseball, who's a better athlete than that guy? I could see him stealing 50 bags. I could see him uh, hitting 30 bombs in that uh, hitter-friendly ballpark the first time he's ever played in one of his career. What a Playing year. at least league average defense at, at shortstop with a bunch of boppers sitting behind him in the lineup. Like, he could go 100 runs, 100 ribbies with a bunch of other stuff, get you six or seven war, and be in as good a shape as anybody to win that award. And by the way, Bryce Harper comes back at the All-Star break. And he's in a bang. So these teams are like incredibly exciting to follow. The three of them will combine to win something like 290 plus games. Like that's how that's how good those three teams are. They should all make the playoffs once again. And obviously, we saw last year in the tournament anything's possible, given the fact that it was San Diego and Philly at the end I against mean, all odds. I mean, you talk about a year where you know you say 100 RBIs, you say 100 runs scored, you say 30 bombs. You go okay, but then you throw 50 plus stolen bases on that. Wow. I got numbers, okay? I got numbers. So I just did this research earlier this week for, for Buster only to sort of take inventory of spring training. So right now, the success rate on stolen bases in spring training is 83%. All right? That's on – Write that down, two, Cody. Write that down, Cody. On 2.3 attempts per game. Over the previous four years – that's the sample size that I use just to get recent precedent. Over the previous four years in spring training, again, so we're comparing apples to apples, the percentage was 73, and the attempts were 1.7 per game. So this is what's happened. Attempts have increased by 35%. The success rate has increased by 10 percentage points. Why is that so incredibly important? Because the number 75 is the most important number in base running. 75 is the break-even point for, uh, for, for, for stealing bases. Is it worth it to steal a base? The answer to that question is yes, if you can exceed 75%. It's no if you can't, just on balance. Like There are yeah. obviously uh, – there's more nuance to it than that. But as a general rule, that's a good indicator of whether or not it's worth me taking off. Trey Turner is one of the very fastest players in baseball. And if Trey Turner wants to go 50 times this year, he's going to steal 40, 42, or 44 bags. It just depends on how much he wants to run. I don't know that you're going to see the kind of increase in stolen bases league-wide that we might necessarily expect. Like most things, we'll see, the, we'll, we'll see things most pronounced on the extremes. The Trey Turners of the world, the Bobby Witts of the world, the fastest players in baseball. You're gonna if their break-even point is gonna be uh, 75% plus, you're gonna see them run twice as much, or at least you should, because that's what the math says. And if you're a pitcher that's slow to the plate, if you're one four, if you're one five, if you're one six out of the stretch, what's gonna happen is that if I'm a manager of a club that has some speedsters, I'm gonna run you ragged because that's the best way to be able to play uh, station to station now, unless I got a bunch of, you know, three run home or bopper type uh, in my lineup. The Phillies in this case can do both. And so I think what you'll see with the new rules, most of it is manifest on the extremes, the pitchers that are especially slow and the, and the base runners that are, that are especially fast, but keep that number in mind, 75 right now, that number is 83% in spring training. And what all the, what all the geeks are going to say, because look, these are, these are my people, right? What they're going to say is if you can exceed 75%, Anyone on your team, you should go twice as often as you were before. And, and and wouldn't this be the way, kind of like what we saw with the Diamondbacks last year, the Diamondbacks had the most stolen bases after the All-Star break. They stole a clip of 83-point-something percent and really changed how they played and looked at, look at the success. I mean, wouldn't this be the way, if, if you're going to compete and not have a bunch of boppers, isn't this the way to now win baseball games? Run. Yes. 
Yes. Um, and, and the thing about that is that it works both ways. So generally speaking, and this is a larger research study for which you could write endlessly. But if we're talking about the Bobby Witts and Trey Turners and Corbin Carrolls of the world, like just to use some, some examples of guys that we know can really, really go. Generally speaking, those guys can also play defense. There's a lot of overlapping skill there. And so what you're going to have the opportunity to do now is almost make a binary choice. Do I want a bunch of slow boppers who can't really catch the ball in my lineup? Or do I want a bunch of fast kids that can, should they reach base, run and steal runs and manufacture runs while also preventing runs on defense? What you might find now is while, you know, the win probability that you might add by hitting home runs is obviously the best or most efficient way to score runs. What you might find is if you can't fill your lineup with 530 home run guys, you younger, cheaper players generally have that kind of athleticism with which to draw from. Younger, cheaper players are going to be easier to find that can do those things. And so the, 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 the bottom line here is how many runs am I going to score minus how many runs am I going to allow or vice versa, right? The differential between the two is what matters. Does it really matter that much how you get there? I happen to, to, to really like the idea of, of run scoring variance, about lineup diversity, about the ability to have guys in my, on my team that can play both ways and add stuff on both sides of the ledger. And if we're going to continue to sort of uh, live in a world in which we're going to build our lineups around guys that hit three run home runs, well, I think over the course of time, what you might find is that's a little bit less efficient than it used to be. And we've always had suspicions about how well that works in the playoffs. I'm hearing about the craziest stat of the week. The craziest. Are you ready? I, I Okay. All right, everybody. Go. So I am the world's biggest Juan Soto fan, the president of the fan club. And you know that's because uh, it is my steadfast belief that the most important number on the back of one's baseball card is his on-base percentage. And because that answers the fundamental question, how often do you make an out, right? And that's the best way to determine the answer to that question. And in the case of Juan Soto, it is he makes it out less frequently than almost any hitter that has ever lived. He's a precocious young hitter that we know. All that being said, this stat blew me away considering all that this kid's accomplished. He was the best player on a World Series champion. He's won the Derby. He's got a batting title. He's got two on-base titles. He's a freaking stud. So Juan Soto has, I'm rounding up here by a, a few uh, plate appearances, about 2,900 plate appearances in his career. That includes the playoffs. I put them all together. About 2,900 career plate appearances. And you, my friend, are going to guess the following. You are going to guess the number of plate appearances out of 2,900 in Juan Soto's career in which he faced a pitcher that was younger than he is. In 2,900? He's what? 22 now or 23? No, he's 20. He's going to play this year at 24. Oh, God. It's got to be so small because he came up at what, 19? 19. So he had to find. So when he was 19, the pitcher had to be 18. Correct. Right? Or pitcher just had to be a, a day younger than him from, from, from the day he entered the big league. I'm talking about 2,900 plate appearances. I'm going to go zero. <laughs> You're way closer than anyone else has been. The answer to that question is really close to zero. It is 13. Juan Soto has faced, in the whole scope of his career, a grand total wow. of th has recorded 13 plate appearances. 0.5. Well, let me ask you this: mm -hmm. How many of that was last year? 
There were nine of them last year. Exactly. So, uh, so my were, zero's not that crazy. And there were four in 2020. Last year, I know one of the pitchers was Spencer Strider, who is a tick younger than Juan Soto is. But like when you think about what that kid's already accomplished, now you're just dealing. Like the, birth, now you're just dealing in birthdays, dude. Yeah. One of the best ways to evaluate how how good a, a minor league hitter is is to is to evaluate their performance against older pitchers. It's what scouts have done since the beginning of time. We now track that very easily. It's on everyone's splits page on Baseball Reference. Like for example, Jordan Walker, that stud from 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 St. Louis, mashed last year in Double A and was younger than every single pitcher that he faced. But we're talking about Juan Soto doing that over five years in the big leagues. Wow. I mean, this is a an absolute freak of nature who I think it is sometimes easy to take for granted. I don't think the Padres are anywhere near the best team in the National League West. But add him to, to that list uh, with Trey Turner as guys who I could easily and obviously see winning MVP of the National League. 13 in five years. That's unreal. And and, and what? <laughs> major- I bet the majority of those 13 are relievers? Yeah. Most of those were relievers, too. Um, there's like a list of six or seven guys. I don't have the list in front of me. Most of them are fairly anonymous. Spencer Schreider is the least anonymous. Yeah. Among. I mean, that, that, that's wow. All right. I sold, I sold it and I delivered. That makes me happy. Yes. Yes. That is, uh, it would be interesting, too. Like Ted Williams came up really early. It'd be interesting to see because if the one, they try and do the, you're never going to compare the slug. You're never going to compare the power, the doubles. It's just the average. You're never going to compare that with Ted Williams. That's why I hate – it's not fair to Soto to me to compare him to Ted Williams. And I went round and round with Mike Petriello about this. I'm like, Ted Williams, I mean, go look – if you don't want to talk about the average because you're trying to say average, go look – doubles still matter. Home runs still matter. He'll never get to those kind of numbers. And Williams missed four years of his career because of war. I want to make clear – it requires a, a, a pretty significant degree of historical ignorance to compare literally anybody to Ted Williams. Yeah. And I, I mean, I say that kindly. Like, Ted, Ted Williams always said that it was his objective to walk down the street and for you to say, there goes the greatest hitter that ever lived. And he lived up to that objective. You could make an argument that because of his slug, Babe Ruth is actually that player. Ted Williams is certainly that player since Babe Ruth. But Ted Williams did things in a batter's box that will never be done again. If you want to say that Juan Soto is the closest thing we have right now in the game to Ted Williams, okay. But we could be playing baseball for another thousand years. And there's a real chance that no one will do what Ted Williams did over the course of his career. And no, I'm not going to count an inflated Barry Bonds from 2001 to 2004. We've been talking about, because, you know, this whole thing going on with the PGA Tour right now and the changes that are happening with the tour and their, their net their Netflix series – is huge. Formula One's Netflix series is huge. Hard Knocks has been such a huge success. And we've been trying to sell all this cutesy stuff in baseball. You know, it's the Players Weekend and everybody's nickname. We need to start giving people what they want. We know the public wants the core. They want the inside of the inside. And one of the things that I know you brought up for us you want to talk about, the year of Otani. Whether you had a film crew who was around the the the, the Padres this year would be fascinating. Uh, the Giants would have been fascinating with trying to get Judge and then Correa and all the way it screwed up. But following around Otani this year, a Netflix thing, would be fascinating. Shohei Otani is a Netflix series away from being the most popular athlete in the world. Uh, there is nothing not to like, and everything to be attracted to. I mean, not only is he, like, literally a singular talent, and I think we'll reach a point here soon where comparing him to Babe Ruth 
will be shortchanging Otani's two-way ability, to be totally candid with you. I mean, Otani will never be the hitter that Babe Ruth was. But he's already reached a point now where he's two-weighing better than Babe Ruth ever did. And there's no obvious reason to believe that's going to stop anytime soon. But he's also everything that's good for the game of baseball and its potential growth. Obviously, given his background, where he's from, he's a global phenomenon. He's a great ambassador for the sport. He's a perfect face of the sport. And baseball has the ability that very few sports, other sports do to actually flex itself as a truly global game. There aren't many sports that can lead into that the way that baseball can. And I'm not sure we do it as well as we, we should. The reason this is the year of Otani is obvious. He's a free agent at the end of the season. He's starting with the World Baseball Classic. Mickey Mantle is his freaking teammate playing center field and Mike Trout. And he's someone we've hardly gotten to know at all. And the free agent pursuit of Shohei Otani and a potential trade that could come before the deadline is the most interesting thing in baseball this year. Like we thought we had a good last year when Aaron Judge tracked down Roger Maris and hit 62 bombs, obviously. And this is that on steroids when you think of the big picture, when you zoom out. So I'm with you. Any opportunity that Major League Baseball issues not to uh, attract attention to Shohei Otani is a minute wasted. As far as I'm concerned, that guy is a once-in-a-generation specimen that we absolutely have to take advantage of. And I, for the life of me, am desperate to see him play in the postseason. Uh, like Shohei, October, needs to be his new last name. And so even if that means the Dodgers get him or the Mets get him or someone get him whom I don't necessarily love, like, as a fan of baseball, as someone who lives and dies and breathes the game, Shohei October has to be a thing. And as I far as that's it. concerned, I hope this is the last year that he spends in Anaheim because there is no obvious reason to believe that's going to happen anytime soon over there. Yeah, as an A's fan, get him out of the division. I have no problem with that. Uh, Shohei, when I think about Shohei Otani, and I know I'll maybe the only guy that ever says this to you, I think of one of those older ladies sitting in a casino in Vegas, or you can say there in Atlantic City, smoking a cigarette, drinking a gin and tonic, just hammering that hammering that slot machine, and it just keeps delivering. I, I Shohei Otani to me, I know we talk about all the ba- – to me, he's a human ATM. It's just money is funneling out of him to your organization. The amount of money that he is worth to you – in advertising, in merchandise. I, when I see Shohei Otani, I see a bank. I don't even see a baseball player. I just see dollar signs. I mean, wherever he goes, he is worth so much more. I mean, we, we geek out about the numbers, but it really the numbers that really matter, how you can monetize him. You can monetize him till the cows come home. It's amazing how much he's worth. <laughs> um, Shohei Otani is the foundation on which you build an empire. And I am dying to see which team winds winds up attracting him because that's going to be the epicenter of the baseball universe for as long as he is in his prime. Uh, not in addition to the enormous quantitative value that his on-field play will provide, which is obvious and we all can to varying degrees quantify and marvel in. What you said about the Netflix series and the kind of uh, marketing or advertising that could come around such a thing and the global appeal and the impact across the country and across the world is such that he could do hardly nothing for my team and I could still turn a profit. The salary that you'll be paying Shohei Otani, honestly, is cents on the dollar if you have an infrastructure in place that knows how to market him. And I would imagine that there are well-paid professional people in New York 
and Los Angeles and everywhere in between that have already begun working earnestly into creating that pitch. There are people who are being paid hundreds of thousands of dollars right now to create one PowerPoint presentation for (laughs) November 15th of next year. Those are the most important people in baseball right now when you truly think about it. And I'm dying to see what he prioritizes. I'm obviously dying to see the dollar amounts, but we're talking about the kind of player for whom you might have to consider offering ownership stake for, for which like a no trade clause is going to feel like a prerequisite or a given, but you're going to have to make concessions to a player based upon all that he can provide that we've never seen before. And you're going to see someone shrewd like Andrew Friedman, who's like, you know, doing dollars and cents with all of his other, you know, minor leaguers and stuff say to heck with it. I will literally give you whatever my owner says I'm allowed to give you sign on the dotted line. It reminds me of the first Batman when, when they went to Jack Nicholson and they said, Jack, we're not going to only offer you this incredible salary to play the Joker. We're going to give you points on how the movie, so X amount of millions, you make millions. And Jack Nicholson cashed in like no actor before, I mean, probably since people have done the deal. But I think at that point he made more more money off one movie than anybody had ever made off a movie before. That's the kind of deal uh, you're looking at. Let's, before we get out of here, uh, how is the book doing? How are you guys doing with it? The book is doing fantastic. So um, Greeny and I, over the last couple of years, as you and your audience uh, knows, wrote a book. It's called Got Your Number. There's 100 chapters, one through 100. We decided who in sports owns each one. I helped him with the research. He wove those numbers together and wrote these ridiculously good essays. And for the first time ever, I held the book in my hand today. So our friends from the publishing company came down to our studios here in New York. They gave us a copy. We took pictures. We recorded videos. Honestly, like it's as proud of anything as I could possibly be. I mean, aside from the birth of my children, obviously, but like the work that goes into it and the pride with which I take in the work that we did, like I could truly say this, I mean, we're going to sell a lot of books, but if I sold five books, the idea of having to be able to hold that thing (laughs) for which I have like this kind of emotional attachment is really not something that I've ever had in my life before or, or could have even foreseen or ever expected. So if you're a sports fan, and you're into my numbers or into my work or have listened to Greeny over the years, I'm certain that you'll like it. It's called Got Your Number, and you can buy it anywhere that they, they sell books. And I appreciate you giving me the chance to plug it here because you've been a friend for, for many, many years, and it goes a long, long way. Well, I mean, just, I mean, the fact that, you know, your kids and then your grandkids, that, that doesn't go away. That book will always be around, and they'll always be able to remember you buy that book. I just think years from now where your grandkids can, can, I mean, you're going to do multiple books. We can still, you know, at some point we know you're going to come out with the hall of fame book, but the fact Mm -hmm. that your grandkids will be able to, my grandfather worked for ESPN. He's a big deal. Wrote this book. That means something, man. There's yeah. There's something about the, the brick and mortar. There's something about like the, the meat and potatoes of it, right? Like to be able to hold something in your hand is, is something for which we definitely take for granted now. Like, I don't know anyone that still gets a newspaper. Um, but like the idea, like we all grew up reading books yeah. and, and you and I probably more than most grew up devouring these record books, right? Like these, these, I poured through these books with lists and stats. And I have these numbers emblazoned into my memory from the time I was 10 years old. And the idea of having like the idea of some kid doing the same because of some work that I've done is just incredible. It's crazy. And uh, yeah, and I appreciate the opportunity, the platform. I'm exceedingly proud of it. 
and we'll see if I can use it as, as momentum for the next pro- the next project that we can announce hopefully soon. Yeah, I still have the baseball encyclopedia, if everybody remembers that. That's where you used to go for all your career numbers because we didn't have the internet. Yeah, that's how you You're went. so old. Yes, I know. It's unbelievable. Um, and then when will you put out that Hall of Fame book? That is still TBD. It is in the process of, of being uh, written and, and pitched to people that, that, uh, that matter. It is uh, in the process, I would say, down the home stretch here. So my hope is that at some point in the next few months when we talk, I'll have a big fun announcement for you. And I, I don't actually know how, like now that I'm, uh, you know, sort of clear from the first project here, just kind of see how the whole process went. Um, the most important thing to me is that I do the, do the research well and write it well. And at this point, I think we're still probably years away from getting that in our hands. But I do think that we have built a lot of momentum here, and I've learned a lot from this process. So you'll be the first to know that I can assure you. You're just waiting for Chase Utley to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. <laughs> I know you. I know you're just waiting for Utley to I – th- I, I, I think there's a good chance he will get in. That's when you want to bring the book out when your hero gets in. Chase, Chase Utley – I'll put it this way. <laughs> I am going to be the reason Chase Utley is in the Hall of Fame someday. All right. That, that – there has never been a person more synonymous with a player's Hall of Fame candidacy than there will be with me with Chase Utley. That is a hill I will die on. I will actually die on that hill. And uh, I'm not sure I'll have to because I think by the time he's eligible, I think the, the, the electorate will have, been, will, got, will have gotten smart enough to realize that those advanced numbers that he produced are very meaningful. But if they don't think so, then I will have to take 10 years to convince them otherwise. Well, just the good news, you mentioned Mickey Mantle and Mike Trout. You know, the good thing, Trout can go to playoff games when he goes to the Eagles games. That's always uh, <laughs> it's always a fun. And the fun, WBC, hopefully so. Fun time. All right, hey, uh, give the book one more time, one more plug. It's called Got Your Number. Uh, Mike Greenberg wrote it. I assisted him with the research. You can find it on uh, either of our uh, Twitter pages, at Paul Hembo or at ESPN Greedy. It's called Got your number, and if you're a baseball fan, obviously you're listening to this show, or if you're a fan of sports in general, I am 100% certain you'll enjoy it, and even more certain that you'll learn a lot when you read it. I am going to buy not one. I'm going to buy two copies today, one for me and one for the big guy next to me. So the next time that we have you on the program, we will have read the book. That's exceedingly kind of you, and I hope that you can only provide, at that point, Real objections to the numbers that we chose. That's the whole point is that it engenders debate. Let's have some let's have some fun debates. Well, we always appreciate the time. You mean so much to this program. And as I always say, you can now go back to LeBron James in the NBA. <laughs> Later, bud. See ya. The great Paul Himbikides from ESPN. Uh, we're going to buy that book today. We're going to go inside from the from our lavish TV, multimedia, radio streaming studio with the Coliseum behind us and all the bobblehead. And we will, I will buy you a copy of the book. Very nice of you. I do find it funny that a guy that's campaigning for Chase Utley to get in the Hall of Fame was wearing a Pittsburgh Pirates shirt. I just wanted to point that out. And it was a muscle shirt at that, so yeah. very New Jersey of him. I know, but wearing a Pirates shirt, you don't see me rocking a Philly shirt around when I'm doing the show with you. So stay with Philadelphia, Hembo, and let Pittsburgh have oh, our glory. wow. Wow. I don't need more people jumping on the Pirates bandwagon, okay? <laughs> This Pennsylvania hate hate is just too. By the way, did we do two extremes today? Padres are the greatest thing ever to, eh, no, they're not. That was amazing. That was amazing. Hembo said that the Dodgers won the division by at least 10 games. Yes, that was amazing. All right, we head to Arizona. Now, we haven't taken a break yet. Johnny D next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Yes, right now, 
Cody is panicking because I don't have my phone. And I don't know where my phone is. I have no idea. I think he'll be okay. I think we'll survive but the you were, you were You were panicking. I mean, I wonder how Johnny feels. I mean, Johnny, when you're doing play-by-play and you don't have your phone, are you still able to call balls and strikes and tell us what's going on? Absolutely. Matter of fact, it's refreshing sometimes to not have your phone. We're, we're on our phone so much that there are times, well, if I actually don't know where it is, and create a little panic in the back of my mind, but you got to block it out because, look, it's it's nice actually to be without your phone for a little while. We're so addicted to our phones; it, it, it's a nice little break. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm into Johnny right now. I was just into Himbo. I'm not worried about who's texting me, who's emailing me, who's calling me. I'm into talking to you and yeah. Paul Himbakidis and. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jesse Agler of the Padres. I mean, I'm into doing the show. These kids, they don't have their phone. They absolutely panic. Right. They got to live in the live in the present moment. Commanders got to live in the present moment. Right, Just Boom. Johnny, I got, I got one question for you today. Know your team oh, Columbia. Oh, is it going to be a Columbia quiz? <laughs> yeah. Columbia There's only one question. It's all baseball related. Wait, first one, what's the number one coffee imported from Columbia? Oh, man, that's uh, – I, it's, I, I, I I don't have an answer. I'm just joking. All right. What what oh. is your what is, what is your what, what? I have no idea. What what is your? That's a who am I? I hit the walk off. Had the walk off hit in the 1997 World Series off Charles Nagy and the Cleveland Indians. Oh, Renteria. Edgar Renteria. Correct. Boom. Johnny, one for one today. Batting a thousand. He's from baby. he's from yeah. Columbia, so it made sense to ask the question. I mean, nice. all the other stuff I was going to ask was all about. The show Narcos on Netflix, so I don't think we need to get into that. Pablo Escobar would be the answer. <laughs> right. uh, Johnny, do we go after Jordan Diaz today? I mean, I mean, this is he's the enemy now. This is a big rivalry, the A's versus Columbia. I mean, do we yeah. go right after him? This will be a lot of fun to see Jordan Diaz against his uh, against his teammates here. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can uh, what he can do today. I talked with Holbert Cabrera, um, the manager of the. Colombian team and he, oh, actually awesome. Orlando's here too. Orlando's going to coach first base, his brother. Uh, and he said that uh, Jordan Diaz went to Orlando's Academy uh, to work on his defense at the second base. And he's, he's, uh, he's uh, working on the defense. He is hitting. He said his hitting speaks for itself. I mean, it just, he's going to hit. So working on the position of second base. So it's really good. To, he's, he's really high on Diaz. Both Cabreras are really high on Jordan Diaz. So it was, it was cool to hear it from, from his perspective, managing him. You know, it's just it's just the way our sport works. It's just we play so many games. It's so long. The summer games in baseball, you got to go with amateurs. The pros just can't play in it. It is what it is. You know, baseball was out for a while, and now it's back into the Olympics. But I just don't know how you, you can't do like what hockey did with the Winter Olympics and shut down your sport for X amount of time. So if there's ever a chance where you can really get that Olympic feel – I, this is the best chance. And so since you're talking to these guys, just what are they ta- representing their countries? What does it mean to them? 
It means a lot. Just in, in our, my conversations with uh, with Denzel Clark, representing Team Canada, and Zach Geloff, and Jake Fishman, representing Team Israel, it means a lot to these guys, representing their heritage, representing their country. And it, it's going to mean a lot to Jordan Diaz today, putting on the, the Colombian jersey. You know, look, and this is the ideal time, Townie, to do it, right? Like, you think about it, you can't really do it in the fall right after the uh, – major league season you can't do that you can't do it in the winter because all the winter leagues are going on this is the really the only time where you can do the wbc and look it's every three years well, every six year you know 17 was the last one with the pandemic but i think it's a perfect time to do it you know and i think the the one thing that's great about katze and the other managers uh, and the a's organization and baseball throughout is that they understand that, that that this is this is this is big and i, I think there's as much enthusiasm for the wbc from fans from players from front offices that i've ever seen and I, it's pretty neat to see these guys representing their countries and, and going out to compete yeah because no one's playing for money you're playing for your yeah. teammates you're playing for your country we, we we get so into how much how many years what's the average annual value we get so much into the aavs and you know he, here's where you got guys putting on a uniform that's not about the name on the back of the jersey it truly is about the name on the front of the jersey it is. It is. And I, I just I'm looking forward to seeing this. I know. Look, there's no time clock, no no pitch timer today, Tony. So we'll see if we'll see if the, the, the 306 that Dave, David, David was talking about and the, the, the 258, see if that could possibly happen. You know, I think guys are now conditioned with the I don't know if Columbia is, but but, you know, obviously the, the A's are conditioned with the pitch clock now starting to get a little more conditioned. So we'll see if it makes a difference. But no pitch timer, no pitch timer today. No pitch timer. I'm out. Yeah. No timer, I'm out. Uh, you want nothing to do with it. Nope. I watching batting gloves and standing. But I just drives me nuts. I can't. I I can't yeah. go back. Um, yesterday, tell give us a scouting report. How did Fuji look? Fuji looked really good. You know, he really did. He I thought his stuff was crisp. Uh, you know, we didn't have a we didn't have the uh, radar gun on the on the board, but we heard it was around ninety six. Uh, May have got one at 97, but he was sitting around 93, 94, 95. He looked good. His stuff was good. And, uh, look, he's just fun to watch. Big 6'6 six, six guy out there throwing throwing hard and throwing strikes. And it, it was it, he was really fun to watch. And then offensively, of course, uh, Loriano at three knocks. Uh, you had Ruiz had a couple of hits. Uh, bat looked pretty quick in, in the last at bat. So saw some good things offensively uh, from some of the guys. And uh, it was overall, I mean, uh, the, the A's have scored, what, a total of 21 runs against the Diamondbacks in those two games. And, look, it is spring training, but, you know, look, we're getting to March 8th, and a week will be in mid-March, and, you know, guys are competing for jobs. So, look, yeah. you may say the numbers don't matter, but, you know, look, guys know that they're competing for jobs, and, and they're they're trying to – they're doing everything they can to try to make this club. So that that's the exciting part. I love when there's competition in spring training, and, and we're seeing it. Yeah, this – people trying, oh, it's spring training. I'm going down. We're gonna, we're gonna have beers, and we're in the sun, and we're gonna golf. God no, man. These guys are fighting for their professional career. They are fight every single pitch, every single at bat. And I've always said the spring training matters differently. Like if you've got a a ten year contract, yeah, you're just getting in shape. Most of right. these guys, you're fighting for your career. You're fighting for your dream. And that's why we talked about today. I don't know how much you've been able to listen. We've been talking about how, God, I wish there was some type of hard knocks Netflix documentary series covering a baseball team, truly giving the real. What is really going on in our sport? We have too much fluff. We need more real. It works in the NFL. 
NFL. We're seeing it work for the PGA Tour. We're seeing, I mean, Formula One, their Netflix series has exploded around the world. I would love to have that, you know, because as you just mentioned, it's like, hey, man, guys are sitting here battling. You know, most people think most people think spring training is flip flops, beers, golf, and watching some baseball. Guys are battling for their for their careers and, and, and their professional lives. That's a great point, Town. I didn't even think about a, a hard knocks in uh, in baseball. I think it's a great call. What, what I think thinking about it, I think when you should do it, you should do it around March eighteenth, nineteenth, twentieth, right? When they're when they're really, really in the heat of battling for these jobs, or maybe March March fifteenth, March sixteenth. Don't do it in late February when there's sixty eight guys in camp, right? Do it when they're really in a battle uh, for their jobs. I don't know how you would do it. I don't know if baseball would even allow you to do it. But uh, but it's it's an interesting concept to think of hard knocks, spring training, baseball, especially if you get a team that has so many position battles and, and battles for to see who's going to make the club as a pitcher. I think it's actually a, a pretty decent call. Yeah, see, and and, and uh, we've mentioned different teams like the Padres are, are really an interesting team right now. There's there's plenty of interesting team, and the and the, and here and here exactly is the problem. You just mentioned I don't know if baseball would allow it. When here you have the NFL, which is the greatest thing in the entertainment business in the United States of America, nothing else compares to it. We still in baseball have this old school thought going, I don't know if baseball would allow it. You're crazy, right? Hard knocks is NFL is king. You should copy everything the NFL does if you want to be somewhat more successful. We're trying to bring we're trying to bring people in. We want people to love our game. Keeping people out doesn't do that. Bringing people right. in does do that. Yeah, and their market. They, I mean, say what you want about the NFL, they market themselves pretty well, you know. So yeah, it, it's interesting to see. You know, I, look, baseball's trying. They're they got the pitch timer in. They they got the bigger bases. They got the the lack of offensive shift to stress athleticism. So they are starting to do some things to try to bring back the casual fan. But uh, you know, you might be onto something here, Tony, with this uh, with this hard knocks. Uh, maybe the baseball will uh, will do that sometime. We'll follow. Nice. We'll follow you around. <laughs> I don't know if you want to see that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who do we got? No, who do who do we got going today? And what are the expectations? Uh, well, Kyle Muller's going today, and uh, I think he'll be somewhere between fifty and sixty. So that'll be fun. Freddie Tarnock's pitching today. That'll be great. Chad yeah. Smith and his sliders go. He's going today, so it should be fun. You know, I look. Columbia has a couple of uh, major leaguers on their uh, on their roster. Uh, so, look, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope the offense continues to do what it did yesterday, uh, get these guys. Let's see, in the lineup today, you have uh, Nick Allen's there, Connor Capel, uh, Langoliers in that three slot. He's swinging a hot bat. Uh, Brent Rooker's in there, Garcia, Kevin Smith, who we'll have on the uh, on the broadcast today when he comes out of the game, uh, Joel Pozo, Jonah Bride, and, and, and uh, Pache. Uh, Pache's uh, in the lineup again. So he's, I think, what is he? He is uh, seven for 19. Always interesting. So, yeah. Keep an eye on him because, uh, look, it's uh, he's had some some good at-bats this spring so far. So, and, a couple, of course, a couple of brilliant plays in, in center field. We know about the defense, right? Kevin so Smith is fun. a Kevin Smith is a great guy. Great yeah, guy. We love having him on the past couple of years on A's Cast Live. So is he coming into the booth? Is he joining you from the dugout? How's that going to work? 
from, from the dugout. Yeah, they've been doing it every home game. They've been having uh, a player pick up different player every time. They from the dugout have them on for a half inning, and, and they've all been great. Rooker, Noda, whoever's been on Nick Allen, they, they've been they've been awesome. So it's it's a pretty pretty cool concept, and and the the players seem to enjoy it, and I know the the fans love it. Oh, so it's great. I mean, anytime we get interaction with the players during. Yeah during like action is huge it's i'm glad you guys are doing that that's awesome uh for sure when you when you start looking at christian pache you start looking at ramon loriano those to me are really the two interesting you know when we're talking about what's ramon what's he going to do this year what what's going to happen with pache i mean you mentioned ramon just tell me just you know looking at like a little scouting report how does ramon look to you well, it's small sample size, but he looks good. And I had a chance to visit with him the other day, and he said, "Look, I, I'm 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 seeing the ball really well early, which is a good sign." He yeah. said, I, "I'm my timing's a little off," and that, he said that the same day he got three knocks, and they were they were not they were line drives, you know. He's he's he it was pretty pretty it was nice to see, you know. And look, I don't I haven't seen Ramon all that much uh, through the years, just because I you know I didn't cover the A's, but uh, you know I. I've seen the arm. I've seen the defense, and I know he struggled with the bat last year. But you get a you get a a, a productive Loriano. Uh, that's gonna, obviously going to be huge. So I I I think uh, you know look small sample size, but three knocks yesterday, and we'll see what he can do. He looks he's he just looks like he's in a great place mentally right now. I know it's early in spring, but I I, I think he's going to have a good year. I really do. Columbia against the Athletics. Cannot yes. wait. Have a good call. We'll talk to you. What do we got tomorrow? Who do we have tomorrow? Tomorrow, I think, is the Dodgers. Dodgers A's, yeah. A's and Dodgers, yeah. Ooh, Dodgers. Very interesting club. They've got some holes, but they have some holes. It's a, San Diego's act like the San Diego people are acting like the Dodgers are dead. This is going to be a fascinating oh. NL West. I wouldn't count them dead. You know, they're still probably win 93, 94 games. These people think the Dodgers are dead. They've still got a lot of depth and a lot of talent. So I, I don't I don't I don't think that's uh, true. I don't think that's a smart uh, thing to do is count them out. Well, we appreciate the time. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, Tony. Johnny D on the call today, right here on A's Cast Live. It's Columbia up against the Oakland Athletics, a little WBC. What did they're uh, the flag is the Colombian flag's blue and white? I want to say like a light yeah, blue. Yeah, I, I just had the banner or the I just had it running on here they when Johnny should, was on. They should have some pretty sweet unis. Yeah, I will see what they what what happens. I mean, I watched one of the games last night. I think I watched Colombia for a little bit in Netherlands. Interesting. You're not a big WBC guy. It's not that I don't like it. It's just I don't know. I don't know, I don't know how many people out of my friends group are like, oh, I gotta watch every game. I put it on last night. I watched the Netherlands. They ended up beating Cuba, which was, I guess, a little surprising, but I, maybe not. I mean, they, the Netherlands has Bogarts and some guys. Cuba had Joanna Cespedes playing last night. Well, I just, you know, to me, this time of the year is got stuff going on. You put the game on in the background and baseball, and really it's at night you're watching college hoops. This is the time of the year I like watching college hoops. Yeah, um, brackets come out Sunday. I mean, college. This is this is this is. I mean, I don't watch college basketball throughout the year, but I watch it in March and I love it. I mean, these kids are playing for their schools. Ninety nine percent of these kids won't won't play in the NBA. This is their time to play on national television. All these games are on ESPN, ESPN two, ESPNU. 
And then now you're going to get in the tournament. And it's one of the great things in all of sports, March Madness. And it's a one-and-done deal. You don't get to flub. It's a one-and-done. And like I said, these kids, this is their moment in their life, in their careers, to be on national television and and and, and to play in front of a massive audience because the majority of these kids don't play in the NBA. And I think it's awesome. The heart that they show, the, the, the finality of a season – that's coming down to one game, one team will move on, one team goes home. The drama, the stories, the storylines, the small schools, the big schools, it's awesome. I mean, March Madness is awesome. That's that and baseball in the background. Like today, we'll put the game on, it'll be in the background, I got stuff I got to do, I, I have it on when I golf. I mean, it's just, it's it's spring training, right? And you you care about the battles, but uh, it's tough for me to be like, hey, you know, would you say Netherlands up against Colombia? No, Netherlands and Cuba played last or night. Cuba, I mean, it's like, yeah. yeah, it's it. We you know, we have so much. I mean, I have a lot of baseball to watch. We have 162 games coming up. See, now. that's the thing. It's like you know, a lot of people say they watch a lot of baseball, and I always go, huh? You know how many games we're at? You know how many games we watch? I watch every game. I I keep score for every game. It's not like I like watch a game and take three days off. I watch every game. Watch every game. I keep score for 162 games. So it's not like I don't have enough baseball in my life coming up here. Uh, plus, plus, not only do I watch every game and keep score for every game, that's just our games. Then all the other games that you yeah, watch. Yeah, the other 29 teams that are playing. And the highlight shows every night. you got to keep track of everybody. I mean, it's like, it's like, sorry, I just, you know, if, if, if. I don't know. Give me a Japan is taking on. I don't know. So give me somebody. I don't team Israel. I'm just like. Eh. I don't. I, I got to look at the schedule. See who's playing. I think the Giants are playing Team USA today. Ooh, you gonna go after Trout? You going after Trout? You gonna try and take Trout out? I, Giant I, Gigantes. Yeah, I, I highly doubt it. Um, are you gonna try and sign him and come up short? Go, going back to college basketball for a second, we at least do have a team in the Bay Area that's in the tournament. St. Mary's projected to be a five seed. I How believe. are my Spartans not in the tournament? If they can get to the NIT. That'd be huge. By the way, we, we want to talk. Uh, it's it's some really sad news in our business. He was so good to us. Um, Dave Wills, unfortunately, passed away in his sleep. Broadcaster, play-by-play man for the for the Tampa Bay Rays. You saw him here multiple, multiple times on Ace Cast Live. He came on with us a lot before we ever went to video, and we were just audio. Every single time we were in town – uh, or they came here. He always came on and supported us. Just a super, super nice guy. I remember my first trip to Tampa to the Trop, getting a chance to sit down with him. Um, beloved by the fan base, beloved by everybody. I mean, he did Notre Dame football too, right? Didn't he do Notre Dame football, or was it Notre Dame pregame for years? He did a lot of the stuff because um, I got a great I, career. I know he's from the Chicago area. Yeah. Yeah, he grew up in Chicago. Uh, let me see what else he did. If I remember correctly, he was around Notre Dame football, which is a big deal. Well, see, he started with the Class A Kane County Cougars from 91 to 95. Then he filled in a little bit on the uh, White Sox broadcast. He did play-by-play for the University of Illinois Chicago uh, in post-game radio broadcast for Notre Dame football and basketball. So you do you do Notre Dame football. It's a big deal. It's a national deal, and 
it was just heartbreaking to hear. I think he was 58 years old. It was heartbreaking to hear that he passed away in his sleep, uh, survived by a wife and I, I believe two kids. Um, just really, really sad. And it, it, it is unfortunately a reminder to all of us that tomorrow is promised to nobody. It just, it, it's not. It's, it's why it's so important to tell the people around you, I love you, Cody, and everything you do for us. It's important to tell people that. It's important to show appreciation because tomorrow is promised to nobody. He went to bed that night, great career, great job, family, and now life has changed forever for, for his family. But we wanted to recognize him as a great personality and somebody who, in our infancy, he didn't need to come down. He didn't need to help us. He could have been like, ah, I'll catch you guys. Ah, take a rain check. Ah. Always was gracious to come down and to help us out. Loved what we were doing. Appreciated what we were doing. Understood what we were trying to accomplish. The Rays are now going to try and do what we're doing. Um, but really sad news, and we just want to honor Dave as a great broadcaster, a great person, a, a good friend in this business, and he for sure will be missed. Yeah, uh, well said. Uh, I'll never, you know, I'll miss seeing him in the uh, in the press box and coming down on the field. But talking to him, he always wore the Tommy Bahama shirts. Yes, uh, he was fit with the Tampa brand. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's been with the. He was with the Rays. Him and Andy Freed, his partner on radio, were there since like 2005. So they were there for. 17-plus years going. This would have been their 18th year. And, you know, he called the World Series in 08 and 2020. I mean, he saw all the great moments for the Rays, and he encapsulated ca uh, all of them on the radio. And we're close with his uh, co-worker, Dwayne Satz, who does television, and Brian Anderson. So we've been – the relationships we built with Tampa Bay have has been great, especially the broadcasters. And uh, when I heard about Dave, I immediately reached out to you and, and Ray Jensen because Ray worked with – uh, Dave, so this is really sad to hear. And I mean, he just called the game the day before, too. <sighs> so the Rays honored, you know, the Rays didn't do a radio broadcast that day on Sunday. Um, 58 is way too young, and we just wanted to take a few minutes to honor him because he was a good friend to us and a, gr a great broadcaster. Yeah, and it goes back to once again tomorrow is promised to nobody. So every day, live life, enjoy your life, be happy. Happiness is better than being not. And tell people around you that you love them. And now you appreciate them because you just never know. And we definitely lost one of the good ones in our game. Dave, you'll be missed, and we'll miss you. And it'll really hit home when Tampa comes to Oakland, and he's not here. That, 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 that won't be easy because what a great dude he was. All right, coming up next, Columbia. Do they have Nick? Like, like I, I don't know. The Columbia blank. I think it's you know, we're the think, Oakland A's. I think, they, I think it's just Team Columbia. Just Team Columbia? And we're Team Am USA. I overthinking it? I think so. <laughs> Coming up next, Team Columbia against the Athletics. We'll see you tomorrow right here on A's Cast Live. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.